Good morning and welcome to ASL's HR in 10. At 10. I'm Jason Perry. And I'm Kimberly Bradshaw. And each week we get together to talk about the latest issues in HR that are affecting you as employers. So Kimberly, last week we tried very rapidly to analyse Rishi Sunak's comments. Um, do you know, I'm just, this is the joy of going live. My phone's just gone off behind me. Fortunately, it's on <laughs> Do Not Disturb, so it only ran for half a ring. But we tried to talk about Rishi Sunak's and we thought we'd covered it all. We missed a bit, didn't we? We did. I, I think really the, the slight change to the national minimum wage and national living wage around the age bracket changing were, was a key one for me. Yes, absolutely. So if you didn't pick it up on the first time, the minimum wage, sorry, the living wage, um, has moved from 8.72 to 8.91, which is a 2.2% increase, much more bearable for many employers that have been struggling through this crisis. Um, but the really interesting thing is the age bracketed effects. It yeah. used to happen when somebody was 25, now it kicks in at 23. So worth just checking that as we approach April. I know you've got many more things to look at, but as we approach <laughs> April, just look at the age brackets you have on there as well as just the change. Yeah, we were talking about the affordability and whilst it does seem a little bit better, I saw a calculation that it, it averages out at something like £350 a year per employee in addition to what is already been paid. And if you've got a few people on that kind of scale, that's going to be very difficult for certainly our local employers. Yes, it is. I mean, the difficulty is any increase is always difficult when we're at a time of uh, financial crisis, which many employers are. Um, I think the really good news is we were expecting quite a hike. We haven't had quite a hike. I think it was expected to go up to something like £9.25 or something. I forget the exact figure, but it was a reasonably significant increase. And I think what they've done is stalled it this year, and it looks like it will be stalled next year to something fairly close to inflation. So mm -hmm. those on the lower rungs of the ladder who are struggling financially as individuals, as employees, get that little bit of help, but we've made it bearable for the employers too. So I think it's the right balance. Mm, definitely. But watch that age bracket. It's now from 23 from April next year. So there's our non-COVID thing. I mean, maybe we ought to just talk about some COVID stuff. So where to start? The vaccine's coming. And I had a thought that um, was quite interesting. We were looking, I think it was last week, the week before, I talked to you about an employer who wanted to check the temperatures of all their mm. staff as they arrived. And it occurred to me, many employers might be saying, yay, the vaccine's coming, we can look to go back to normal. But what are you going to do if some in your office say, no, 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 we think the vaccine's a big con and conspiracy theory, and we won't have it. There's an interesting oh, you're one. going to throw that at me as a blindside pass, aren't you, Jason? I, I, I am. That's the fun of these sessions, Kimberly. So you're the HR manager. You've got, you've got your um, one of the people in your finance office who's on the vulnerable list. They've been shielding all this year. They're relieved they're going to be coming back to work. But the two people who sit on the desk opposite them are anti-vaxxers and say, no, 
shan't have the vaccine. What are you going to do as their HR manager? Well, I have some sympathy with the anti-vaxxers because, you know, there's a lot of people that are concerned about it coming in so quickly. But equally, being somebody that shielded most of this year, I also have enormous uh, uh, feeling for for the individual that is looking forward to going back to work. It, that's a sticky wicket because, mm. you know, as we were talking about earlier, we have a, there's no law that says it's not a legal requirement to have the vaccine. No. So as an employer, you can't force somebody to do it. So for me, you'd have to look at, you know, what else can be done? Can you change the working arrangements? Can, you know, you do a shift system where the anti-vaccine vaccination people come in on a different day to the the person shielding with deep cleaning underneath i don't know what else do you yeah. think that? i i guess it, the, the other side of this is you know if you have somebody who really doesn't want to wear a mask at the moment that's kind of a bit different isn't it because the law is quite specific about what you have to do and you need to wear masks in certain settings but you're right um there is no legal requirement and i guess if the government haven't deemed it necessary to make it compulsory. And we do have this talk at the moment about, um, uh, what's the phrase, uh, vaccine passports. Yeah. Um, and there's talk about whether or not certain bars or restaurants will limit their customers to be those that have had the vaccine. I just thought it would be interesting to see whether we have employers looking at it. Um, and then, I don't know, what if you have somebody say no having the vaccine would be against my religious beliefs. Yeah. Or my civil rights. Yes. Um, I was thinking about protected characteristics, but... Um, yes. Yes. Of course. yes, yes. <laughs> um, it could get into quite a messy area, is my thinking. Um, it really could. I think employers are going to have to be quite um, clever about that one. Uh, as you say, it's much easier to deal with the refusing to wear a mask issue because it's very well stipulated mm. in the law. Uh, and although it's not mandatory to have the vaccination at the moment, who knows? You know, we've had a year of information yes. coming out and then the guidelines to how to achieve something coming two weeks later. So... You know, we could be in that situation with the vaccine. I think education and engagement are the way forward. And, you know, this is where HR really comes in. Um, you and I come from a long career, as it were, in the world of HR. And we completely get the concept that you have to carry your people with you. And you have mm. to win their hearts and minds to get them on board. And I think that's what employers need to do at this time. And you raised a really good point. I don't think we're ever going to go back to offices being the normal, everybody works nine to five in an office. And I think we're going to see more kind of, loosely I'm saying hot desking. Hot desking is mm. probably the wrong word at the moment because the deep cleaning required between each person would be so uh, complicated. But as we come out of this, I think having a point where people work more flexibly, and I think your point, yes, you try and find a way to balance it. Mm. Yes, and certainly the evidence is supporting more working from home. Obviously, for those that can, a lot of mm. companies can't if it's manufacturing or retail. Uh, but certainly a research project I was involved in earlier this year and also a recent one from Expert HR 
both said that homeworking is going to become the norm. They're going to get rid of offices. People will be going on on a booking basis uh, to manage the numbers. Uh, One company, which obviously was a big company and they can afford to, but they um, had issued everybody with Regis passes for any time they needed a meeting. Uh, Obviously, we don't have any locally, but uh, it's good for the, the big companies. So, yeah, I think there's, you know, a lot of things that can be done. I think the other one is we were talking yesterday at our Wednesday webinar webinar uh, is about the, um, you know, split hours. So mm. maybe, you know, doing a bit early in the morning before the kids are up, having a quick catch up or then doing an evening slot. So looking more output, not um, hours. You see, I'm just smiling and thinking I need to set up my Spanish office and do exactly that and have a siesta in the middle of the day. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but no, I, I think you're right. It's about output um, rather than measuring precisely when, you know, I'm looking at the time and thinking they say, you know, HR in 10 and we've been talking for nine minutes already. So now isn't the time <laughs> to talk about monitoring, but actually perhaps next week we should pick up on monitoring and looking precisely at that. But yeah. outcomes is right. It's how do you measure where somebody's achieving their objectives? Yeah. Oh, sorry. And now I've got a plumber drilling. Ah, <laughs> joy, the joys joy, of live joy. feeds. Well, <laughs> this has been HR in 10. We've talked for 10 minutes, so uh, we'll bring that to an end. Um, what I will say is if you like what we're doing with HR in 10, do click on the follow button on YouTube and you can get alerts each time we go live. Um, thanks for watching. It's been a pleasure. And we'll see you the same time next week. See you next week. Goodbye. Thanks, Kimberly. Bye-bye.